Even though the Seahawks are winners of four straight games and have a superior record, the Buccaneers are the favorites going into their matchup in Germany. What do the Seahawks need to do to pull off the upset in this international contest? Nick Lee and I are going to be breaking it all down in our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Also a guten tag to all of our listeners in Germany getting ready for this big international game against the Buccaneers. Glad to be joined for our Blue Friday episode by my co-host Nick Lee. And thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're less than 48 hours away from this historic matchup between the Seahawks and Buccaneers at Alliance Arena in Munich. Major playoff implications going into this game, too, with both teams being in first place in their respective divisions. We're going to be devising a game plan for a Seahawks victory on offense and defense and much more in a jam-packed Blue Friday episode. This episode is brought your way by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. Now for your lead story here on the opening drive of our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. The Seahawks were pretty banged up going into last week's game against the Arizona Cardinals. They were missing Daryl Taylor and Marquise Goodwin, two key players on offense and defense. Going into this week, though, Nick, the Seahawks might be as healthy as we have seen them. Obviously, Cullen Gillespie is not going to be playing. He's going to undergo knee surgery, and I would expect next week is going to go on injured reserve. Maybe Trey Brown replaces him at that point. Won't have Brown this week, but otherwise... Things are looking up for the Seahawks. Daryl Taylor's expected to play, not even on the final injury report. And Pete Carroll had positive news on Marquise Goodwin, the only other player listed as questionable with a groin injury after sitting out last week in Arizona. Yeah, it was interesting. I when I saw the uh, injury report break out, uh, I kind of felt like you know the, <laughs> the Ken Jong from Community when he's like got that little piece of paper and he's looking at it really really close that gift that goes around because I couldn't find anybody because. It's so empty. It's which is a which is a, a really great thing. Yeah. Um Colin Gillespie is the only one that's out and um probably a long term. But Marquise Goodwin looking uh looking more and more optimistic there. And and it's interesting too because the the uh, Buccaneers are, are going to miss Russell Gage. And so you now you kind of have an advantage when it comes to depth at receiver where you're getting one of your guys hopefully back in Marquise Goodwin while the Buccaneers will be without Gage, who is uh their third best receiver. So there's an advantage there already, but yeah, just getting generally healthy, especially with the long flight, some, some weird, weird situations. There were some illnesses going on earlier in the week. Um, so it's a really positive sign that the, uh, the last injury report is uh, mostly empty and mostly positive. Yeah. You mentioned the illnesses. That was something that Rob Rang and I touched on in our Wednesday episode, because you make this trip across the pond and Puna Ford and Al Woods both were listed as out with illnesses and that immediately was a red flag especially in the COVID era that we live in but luckily they were back on the practice field the last couple days so those two are going to be ready to go and as we'll talk about later those two players are going to be very important going into this matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Ryan Neal also healthy he was limited a little bit this week thinks or looks to me like that 
he's dealing with some after effects from the high ankle sprain that he suffered in training camp. That's something that doesn't necessarily completely heal up. He's obviously been good enough to play. He's been playing outstanding football, but they've been taking care of him during the week, just as they do with Gabe Jackson and some of their other veteran players. So the Seahawks are in pretty good shape and getting Daryl Taylor back this week is obviously a big deal too. You want to have that athletic pass rusher that can get after Tom Brady on third down. They didn't have him last week and they were able to withstand that. Got good contributions from Bruce Irvin and some of the other players. And as you mentioned for the Buccaneers, their injury report isn't that big either. Russell Gage being out. Luke Gadecki, the rookie guard, I think that is the most significant injury on here for the Buccaneers as far as the three players that are out. They've still got plenty of talent at the receiver position, but Gadecki was their second string guard and now they're down to their third stringer at that right guard position. And I've detailed this early this week. This is a huge problem for the Buccaneers in the middle because they lost Ryan Jensen to a season ending, a likely season ending knee injury in training camp. Ali Marpet retired randomly at 28 years of age this off season. Alex Kappa, their other starting guard departed in free agency for the Bengals. Now they did trade for Shaq Mason, who was a really good starter for the Patriots for a long time. But really, away from Mason, and he's been banked up. He's going to play, but he's been dealing with an ankle injury. This interior offensive line isn't anywhere close to the level it was when they won the Super Bowl two years ago and even making the playoffs last year. They have been decimated there. So Seattle's interior defensive linemen have to be thrilled about this, going against a third-string right guard, a backup center in Robert Hainsey. And we'll, we'll talk about that more later. But honestly, that is the biggest injury, in my opinion. And keep an eye on Cam Braid as well. He is a very good tight end that's been dealing with a neck injury. He's the only player they have listed as questionable. They're also going to get Antoine Winfield Jr. back, as expected from a concussion this last couple games due to that injury. He's one of the best all-around safeties in the NFL, a really good young player that is obviously going to have a positive impact coming back to this Buccaneers defense. Yeah, I'd say he's maybe a future All-Pro. Like he, he's a, he's a solid, solid safety. Uh, I'm not really worried one way or the other about Cameron Brait because I think Kate Otten, Tumwater's own, T-Bird's own, Kate Otten has emerged as, as a pretty solid tight end himself. Really big, lanky kid out of UW as well. Um, so if Cameron Brait can't go, it's not like they don't. The cupboard is very bare at tight end. The Seahawks are absolutely going to have to uh, defend one of their own native sons in uh, in uh, Kate Otten. He's been solid. Yeah, Otten's a really good player, and I thought would have been a higher draft pick if not for the fact that he battled some injuries in his last season at Washington and the stats weren't there. But you always could see it on film, and so he's going to be a player they're going to have to worry about. But if you have break there too, uh, this is still an issue for this defense. They have been better against tight ends as of late, but that has still been an issue for the Seahawks this year. You have to deal with two really good pass-catching tight ends in Ott and Brait. So that's something to keep a close eye on. It sounds like he's got a good chance to play, but again, he's listed as questionable. And so until we get to game time, which is going to be 6 a.m. Pacific time here in the Pacific Northwest for those that plan on watching the game, uh, you better go to bed early and you're going to be getting up bright and early uh, before the sun comes out, to be honest. So uh, we'll know at that point who's going to be playing. Inactives will be coming out at like uh, 4.45 in the morning, maybe. So it's it's going to be an early one for those of us that didn't get to travel across the pond and are going to be watching this game. Coming up next, we're going to devise our weekly game plan on offense and defense. How do the Seahawks pull the upset? It's still weird to me that I'm saying the word upset, but 
Right now, the Buccaneers are the team that's favored heading into this matchup, even though they're four and five and the Seahawks are six and three. We're going to look at what the Seahawks need to do to get that fifth straight victory. Coming up next, when we return in our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. And LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the right people to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years. And LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find the top candidates in sports media. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and eventually hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right candidates to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're over in Germany gearing up for this game on Sunday, listening in Brazil, Mexico, or heck, in my home state of Indiana, wherever you're listening from. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. It's time for our weekly game plan. Time to look at some keys to victory on offense and defense. And the Seahawks, they're coming in as the underdogs in this game. I'm still kind of baffled by that, considering Seattle's won four straight. They've got a superior record. The Buccaneers have struggled most of this season, but it's still Tom Brady, the GOAT. The Buccaneers are going to get the benefit of the doubt, and they are the favorite team as the home team going into this neutral battle so what do the Seahawks need to do to win this game, Nick? Let's start on the offensive side of the football. What's the first thing that jumps out to you that this Seahawks team absolutely must get done to be victorious over the Buccaneers in Munich? Well, I know this is pretty cliche, but it's, you know, most of the cliches work or are because they work. And it's a cliche because it's something that must be done. And with this, it's stay on schedule uh, with methodical drives, um, early down success and they're yielding only five five yards per play six best in the league and, and really the big question for me in this whole game is can the Seahawks generate enough offense to to mitigate and to um, push this really top 10 defense the D Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a pretty solid defense overall um, so I, I think on the flip side you know with some of the struggles that the Bucks have had on offense Seahawks can play well there on defense. So really, I think the key to victory really lies solely on the offense and can they get enough juice. And that'll that'll start with um, staying on schedule, turning first. And, and uh, if you're not familiar with that, what that means, you know, first and 10, turn into second and five to third and two and kind of staying on there, not getting, not taking a sack and getting it to second and 17 or not, not running up against a brick wall twice and having it be third and 11, that kind of thing. Um, because that's when this team can beat you. They have some great pass rushers on the interior and exterior. Um, they have some pretty darn good safeties too. Um, th this team has a lot that can beat you on defense. This is a very good defense. Not quite, you know, Super Bowl 2020 level, but still a very solid defense. And you got to stay on schedule to to kind of mitigate some of the pressure they can bring. 
Yeah, this is still a Todd Bulls defense. There's still going to be quite a bit of blitzing. There's going to be some exotic blitzes thrown in there. And you mentioned brick wall. They literally have a brick wall in Vita Vea in the middle. And so you don't want to get in a position where you're consistently getting second and nine, second and 10, third and eight, third and nine, because the run game can't get going or you're not able to complete passes or Geno Smith is getting harassed with quick interior pressure. And that's what the Buccaneers are capable of doing. And so I know it's cliche, as you mentioned, but this is definitely a game where you want to stay on schedule. And the Buccaneers have been a team that have had their struggles at times. They're in the bottom third of the league in third down conversion rate defensively. So teams have been able to sustain drives. And this is in part because the offense has been so underwhelming most of the season, but they're, they're 30th in the NFL in time of possession allowed for opponents over 31 minutes per game. So if the Seahawks can do what they've done in this four-game winning streak and they can sustain some long scoring drives and punch it in, be efficient in the red zone, this is a team that has had a lot of trouble keeping up with opponents that do that because the offense has struggled. And then you can keep Tom Brady off the field. I don't care how much the Buccaneers offense has struggled. Tom Brady is still the quarterback on the other side. And so anytime that you can have an eight, nine-minute drive, even a six-minute scoring drive, and you can keep number 12 on the sideline and wanting to throw his Microsoft Surface pad into the ground and probably get a fine from the NFL, that is a big win for you. As far as the second key for me with this offense going into this game for the Seahawks, you've got to exploit the soft edges of this run defense. This is not, you just mentioned it, this is not the 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense where you could not run on them. They, they were an immovable object, their front seven. That is not the case of this team. Now, you still got to worry about Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks in the middle. That's certainly going to help him having Hicks back healthy. Those are two guys that are outstanding interior run defenders. But just going back and watching the film of their games against the Panthers and Ravens, I mean, we're talking about the Panthers here, one of the worst teams in the NFL. They allowed 10 runs of 10 or more yards behind the tackle, off tackle, or to the perimeter. So that's including your jet sweeps in there. The Ravens had some success with jet sweeps running against this football team. They play with soft edges. This is not the team we saw in 2020, even last season, where they were stout across the board defending the run. They have had their issues. They're in the middle of the pack in terms of yards allowed per game. So they're not the worst run defense, but this is not the elite run defense that they had a couple of years ago. And they're allowing a healthy 4.6 yards per carry this year too. A lot of that damage has happened either behind the tackle or off tackle. The wider runs, this team has had issues setting the edge. And so I think the Seahawks can take advantage of that. That's with Ken Walker, the third, Travis Homer. I think D. Eskridge, Marquise Goodwin, getting those guys involved. We might even see some tight ends get involved. Noah Fant running a jet sweep. There's some creative things that Shane Waldron can do, but test those edges because that has been an issue for this Buccaneers defense this season. It has. Yeah, when I, when I refer to them as a top 10 defense, you know, they're, they are fifth in scoring. I think fourth in uh, passing yards uh, per attempt allowed. But yeah, they're 19th in rushing yards per carry allowed. And I think 23rd, um, or sorry, 25th in the red zone. So there are some vulnerabilities, absolutely, with this defense. And for a, a third one for me is kind of going off my first point is mitigate the interior rush or and, and really just any, all the rush with, with uh, Keem Hicks and uh, Vita Vea, Shaquille Barrett, all those guys. Um, with quick passing game, the quick with rhythm. And I think Geno Smith is pretty well equipped for this. 
you know, he doesn't, uh, I'm trying not to stir up any more than, or it's already been stirred up this week. Um, he, he does a good job at kind of doing what he's told and uh, going with the game plan. And part of that would be to uh, get rid of the ball quickly. I know the previous quarterback um, for the Seahawks had a hard time doing that sometimes. Um, but I think Geno Smith is a bit better equipped for that. Um, so just that quick rhythm, quick hitting game to mitigate some of that pass rush. And that also help you stay on schedule and, yeah. and kind of neutralize that because once you start hitting on those quick hitters, you know, the defense starts double, you know, or thinking twice about blitzing or, or how aggressive they want to be. And that's when you got them. That's when you can run the ball. That's when you can kind of dictate what they do. Um, if, if you establish that rhythm. So yeah, a lot of quick hitting plays to mitigate, especially the rush in the interior because Vita Vea, he has his own, not just, I don't know what orbit he, he's like his own Milky way. I mean, the guy is just massive. So you got to mitigate it. Yeah, he's he's been the player that we've been talking about all week, and for good reason. He leads the team with six and a half sacks. He is an immovable object in the run game. He is an incredible athlete for a man of his size, and he can be a single-handed game wrecker. And so the Seahawks have to account for that. And I think that this is something we're going to be going back to almost every week, the tight ends. Buccaneers are another defense. They're in the top five for receptions allowed to tight ends. They've given up four receiving touchdowns to tight ends this year. Geno Smith has left throwing to him. Shane Waldron loves to get the football in their hands and, and try to scheme those looks up. This is a game where you can rely on those three tight ends. No offense, Kobe Parkinson, Will Disley, by getting rid of the football quickly. And the Seahawks have already been pretty good at this this year. And so this should be a natural fit for them going up against this defense. But that is how you keep number 50 and Akeem Hicks as well from destroying your game plan. Don't give them time to even collapse the pocket. Get the football out of your hands. Let the tight ends go to work. Noah Fan, I think, is going to have a chance for a big game in this game because of his after-the-catch ability. And we're starting to see him really turn his season around after a slow start. And I think part of it's just the chemistry with Geno Smith. And so that quick passing game is going to be big. Now let's look at the Seahawks on defense. They're, they're going against a Tampa Bay offense that you look on paper and you think, this has to be one of the top five or six offenses in the NFL. And yet... They've been the exact opposite. This has been one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And the Buccaneers have only scored 23 points in the game one time this season. They lost that game to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs who put up 41 on them. That was the one game that the defense didn't show up and the offense actually showed up. So it's been that kind of a season for Tampa Bay. But I think we are looking at keys to victory in this one on defense. We got to start with feasting in the middle. Puna Ford, Al Wood, Shelby Harris, Quentin Jefferson, Brian Monet, LJ Collier, all of those guys have to be licking their chops going into this game because the Buccaneers, I'm not saying this lightly, Nick, this might be the worst rushing team that I've seen in a decade. They're averaging 60.7 rushing yards per game, and they've got some talented guys back there, so I'm not going to sit here and say that they couldn't find some success in this game, but they have not been able to run the football, whether it's off tackle between the tackles, the, the guard and center situation, the turnover they've had there, they have not been able to run the football. So Puna Ford and company, they should be licking their chops. And the other thing, and this shouldn't surprise anybody, Tom Brady in his entire NFL career, the key to getting to him has usually been interior pressure. Seven of the 14 sacks that have been made against him this year have been by defensive tackles, including a couple by nose tackles. Kenny Clark got him twice when the Packers beat 
the uh, Buccaneers earlier this year. And so, again, this group, it is one of the best groups for the Seahawks, especially now that they're playing that more aggressive attacking style. They have a chance to really wreak havoc against a Buccaneers offense. I think one of the big reasons that they have been so poor this year and so underwhelming this year has been that interior offensive line. Take advantage of that with the talent you have up front. Quentin Jefferson, third on the team in pressures. I think this could be a good opportunity for him. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest key on defense, absolutely. And just it's interesting because, um, yeah, when you look at the personnel of the Bucks' offense, you know, it, it should be one of the most high-flying offenses. You got the goat quarterback, you got the, all these receivers. Um, but the word that I would use for this offense has been a slog. It, it's been a slog for the, the Tampa Bay Bucks on offense. Um, just to rattle off some stats, they're 25th in scoring, 27th in yards per pass, uh, tw- uh, 32nd dead last in yards per carry, which we've been talking about. 30th in red zone, uh, 26th in pass block win. I mean, you name it. They're having a hard time. They are straight up not having a good time on offense. And for the second one for me is going to be the guy that really, um, if Tom Brady has one you know, security blanket right now, it's Mike Evans. Mike Evans is one of the best receivers in the entire NFL, one of the most physically gifted receivers. He has five receptions of at least 28 yards, uh, 15.6 yards per, se- per reception. Don't let him get behind you. Um, as a secondary, don't don't lose track of him. I know it's kind of hard to lose track of him as such a big guy, um, but he has. He, he's been he's been a little slippery at times. He's very smart, very physical, and yeah, like I said, one of the best all around receivers in the NFL. So force him to beat you underneath. Force him to to force the Bucks with Tom Brady to kind of dink and dunk a little bit. Don't let them get explosive with Mike Evans because that's when maybe they can start running the ball a little bit. Is if they can stretch the field with their passing game. But Mike Evans, I think, is public enemy number one as far as skill players for the Bucks. Yeah, and they've had a hard time getting those explosive pass plays downfield, not necessarily because of the receivers. I keep going back to the situation up front in the offensive line. Tom Brady hasn't been sacked a lot, but he's been unloading the football extremely fast, and it's been out of necessity, and that's obviously something he's always been good at. But he's had to be even more proficient at that this year just because of how poor the interior offensive line is, the injuries they've dealt with, all the turnover there. And so it keeps going back to that. You ought to be able, if you can get the interior pass rush that I think the Seahawks can in this game, Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson and company, they shouldn't have to cover for a long time. And those deep balls – Tom Brady's going to want to take those shots. I just don't know that they're going to necessarily be there. And so, again, force them to beat you underneath and make sure you're tackling. You can't let this team get yards after the catch because that mitigates what you're trying to do. You've got to be able to tackle. And there were some missed tackles on the field last week against Arizona. They're going to have to be much cleaner in that regard if they want to beat this Buccaneers team. And last but not least for me, looking at the keys on defense facilitate quick stops. And it keeps going back to the fact that you have the GOAT on the other team. Tom Brady, what do you do when you play elite quarterbacks? You get them off the field. And this is a team that has been very one-dimensional, and and their passing game has not been great on top of it. But, I mean, their run game, again, has been historically bad this season. You shut down that run game early. You don't let them get that going on early downs. The Bucs ranked 23rd in third down conversion rate this year. And they're just near the bottom of the league in almost every major statistic offensively. And and it's stunning. And you could see them wake up at some point. The Seahawks are hoping that's not going to be this game. But, Nick, they've got 14 three and outs in this four-game win streak defensively. 
I think they had like three in the first five weeks. They could not get those quick stops. That has been one of the biggest keys to their defensive turnaround. Buccaneers have had their issues sustaining drives. So get your foot on the pedal and continue that trend early. Get off the field, and then it goes back to the offense. Now you chew up some clock, get some methodical drives, wear down the defense, which is the strength of the Buccaneers. That really is the blueprint to put yourself in a position where you can do what you did to the Cardinals last week and take the Buccaneers' soul away from them in the second half of this game. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there, and it's it, it really is um, the, the symptomatic with that, with how I think you said that the defense for the Buccaneers is 30th in time of possession allowed. I think that's part of the symptoms of this offense and just sputtering a lot. And uh yeah. Sound familiar? Yeah. I think there was another team in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> that had the same problem last year. Huh? Yeah. How about now? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I think this is this is a good game plan with with playing Tom Brady. Obviously, you can't bring the house. You can't start getting cute with some of these blitzes, and and uh, you, you just got to trust the guys up front, especially with how dinged up they are. No Ryan Jensen in the center. Um, they're really hurting at guard. Just if you can generate organic pressure um, up the middle, I think that a lot of these things will kind of fall into place. Yeah, it's to me, it's really simple. Now, it's not going to be that easy to do it on the field, as we know, but uh, that's really the game plan here. Got to be able to get that interior pressure and shut down the run game, make them one-dimensional, and teams have been able to do that this year to the Buccaneers. If the Seahawks can pull that off, continue that trend, uh, I would feel very good about their chances to be able to get out of Munich with a fifth straight win. Coming up next, we're going to look at our X-Factors Seahawks are going to win if, looking at some uh, statistics, and of course, our predictions for what's going to happen in Germany. We're going to get to those here in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. When it comes to burglars, your home is like the end zone, and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why I use and trust Simply Safe Home Security. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting edge technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. So you always know your home is safe. Simply Safe keeps my home safe with the best technology available, including the ability to control my system from my phone, watch my security cameras in crystal clear HD, and use a variety of high-tech sensors for the best quality protection. And the best part, they offer 24/7 professional monitoring and Simply Safe agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring system and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And a special thanks to our new listeners. Hopefully, uh, we're not being too annoying here rambling on about Seahawks and Buccaneers. And you'll be coming back for a second listen when we have our postcast on Sunday Let's get to our X factors, Nick. And last week, I just want to say this right now. We both need to give ourselves a pat on the back right now because we were both head on last week with who we picked. I selected Shelby Harris and four tackles. He had four pressures, a sack. And then obviously you picked Noah Fant and Noah Fant had the best game of the season. 96 receiving yards, that 51-yard reception. 
on the final touchdown drive. So, yeah, that might have been the best that the two of us have done collaboratively picking our X Factor. So let's see if we can keep that good streak running. Who is your X Factor to watch for the Seahawks going into this matchup with the Buccaneers in Munich? Well, much has been made about uh, a man with his own orbit, his own climate, you name it, and Vita Vea in the middle. And the guy that's responsible for somehow, someway, slowing him down, maybe not stopping him, but at least uh, holding holding the dam at least for a little bit <laughs> so the villagers can run for the hills before the water breaks, is uh, Austin Blythe, the center. Um, he's going to be my X Factor this week uh, just for that reason. I mean, he, the Seahawks need to be able to run the ball and – if they have any dreams of doing that in the interior with the guys that they have up front in Tampa Bay, that it's going to be Austin Blythe. I know I've been pretty harsh on the center position. So what? Austin Blythe has um, maybe not exceeded my expectations, but he's been a little bit better than I thought he would. Um, so I give him credit there. Um, but certainly still there's some vulnerabilities there. So I think that's a key battle in this in this game, in the trenches specifically, Austin Blythe versus Vita Vea. So Austin Blythe is my X factor. If he gets going, if, if he can somehow – you know, even if he gets some help, but if they can somehow neutralize Vita Vea's pass rush as well as his run stuffing, I mean, the Seahawks will basically dictate this game. Yeah, I think this game really does boil down to the interior offensive lines for both teams. And yet my X factor is nowhere near the trenches. And I think this is more of an after effect of what I think the Seahawks can do with their defensive front line against this banged up, underwhelming Buccaneers interior offensive line and that's why I'm going with Quandre Diggs and it's been kind of a I'm not going to say it's been a down season for Diggs there's been some missed tackles but I feel like he's played really well the last three or four games and it's just not as noticeable because he doesn't have any interceptions I can't believe we're going into the 10th game of the season and number six does not have a pick and Tom Brady has been one of the least charitable quarterbacks in the NFL this year. He's only given up one interception the entire season, despite the struggles Tampa Bay has had offensively. He has not been turning the ball over. He still remained very efficient from that perspective. I think that changes this weekend, though. And here's why. We just talked about it in our game plan. I look at Tampa Bay's interior offensive line without Brian Jensen without Ali Marpet, even Luke Gadecki, the rookie, not being able to play this week. Al Woods and Puna Ford and Shelby Harris, Quentin Jefferson, those guys I think are going to be able to get consistent interior pressure on Tom Brady. And that is the recipe to get him to uncork a throw that I believe number six is going to hunt down and intercept. He is overdue for a pick. And I just feel like the way that he's kind of – you can just see the vibes with Quandre right now with his press conference. Like He's loving playing in Germany, and he likes situations like this. I just think that this is the game, that we're going to see number six get that first pick of the season. And if you can get any turnovers against Tom Brady, obviously that is a, a major feather in the cap because he does not turn the football over very much. But I just think he's overdue. He's had a history of picking off really good quarterbacks, and he's played against Tom Brady a few times. He's had some decent success. So uh, I'm going with him as my X-Factor, a player that statistically has been underwhelming this year, but I feel like he's playing better, and he's had some opportunities to get picks early in the season, wasn't able to finish him off. I think he gets it done in this game. and gets a key interception for the Seahawks. Now, as we do each and every week, you know, there's a lot of different things that are going to contribute to the Seahawks winning, but if there is one thing that's going to lead to a Seahawks victory this week in week 10, Nick, what would that be? 
Well, this is going to kind of sound like a weird thing at first, but hear me out. 19 first downs. The Seahawks are going to need at least 19 first downs. Not 20. I know it's an even number, but 19. Um, shout out to 20 Gwynn. Kind of a weird number, but let me explain. Um, accumulating, First of all, accumulating a bunch of first downs is a symptom of an offense that is in rhythm. It's on schedule. It's driving down the field. It's getting points or at least opportunities for points. And it, when you look at the number 19, the Tampa Bay Bucks are actually one and four when allowing at least 19 first downs this year. And when the Seahawks get at least 19 first downs on offense, they're six and one. So that number really is, is a key decipher for me is, is getting those first downs. Because, yeah, I, I know it's kind of a, some maybe an arbitrary number doesn't always tell the whole story. But I think it's one of those this week where you're facing a pretty decent defense where you're getting that rhythm, you're staying on schedule, you're getting down the field, and you're accumulating those first downs. And 19 seems to be the number that really drives the Seahawks in a great direction. I'm going to go with a number that I'm going to have to explain a little bit too to our listeners. But to me, it's all about the pressures. And for me, it's eight-plus pressures on Tom Brady. I'm not looking for sacks. I mean, obviously, it'd be nice if you can get two or three sacks against Tom Brady. He's not a quarterback that gets sacked very often, but this is what jumped out to me. He has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL when he's been under pressure this year. He has not turned the ball over, but he's 24 for 60, 4.3 yards per attempt, and has not thrown a touchdown when pressured this year. And Tampa Bay is 2-5 and five when he is pressured at least eight times this year. And two of those losses were to the Pittsburgh Steelers without – TJ Watt and the Carolina Panthers. Both of those defenses were able to get at least eight pressures on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers couldn't get anything going on offense in either one of those games. I think the Seahawks have a better defensive front, at least with everybody on board as they're going to be in this game than those two teams have. So they should be able, again, I've been talking about this time and time again, this should be a game that you have a lot of advantages in the trenches defensively Take advantage of that interior offensive line for the Buccaneers. If you can get eight-plus pressures, you have a very good chance of slowing down this Buccaneers offense and maybe just maybe getting Tom Brady to uncork an interception, something he has not done very much this season. But I think pressures on the quarterback are going to be critical. All right, it's that time of the show, Nick. We've done all the uh, hay in the barn. It's all in there. We've looked at our game plan. We've got our X-Factors. What's the biggest key to victory? Now, the question is, are the Seahawks going to get that fifth straight win or are the Buccaneers and Tom Brady going to play spoilers in Germany? Well, I think this is going to be a low scoring game. I'm just looking at a few numbers. It's the top five scoring offense versus the top five scoring defense, which is it's it's funny. It's not really being advertised that way, um, but that's kind of what it is. Two first place teams, two very talented teams that have kind of one overachieved, one underachieved. Um, I think it's a great matchup. I think one of the better matchups of the week. I do think um, this will be very close, very low scoring. But I think this is the week where we finally see Geno Smith get a chance, maybe down by three or four points, two minutes left in the fourth. Hey, go win one. Go win one for us. Win it for us here in Deutschland. You know, this is this is the time. And uh, it, it's because it, it, we haven't really seen a ton of that from Geno Smith. I mean, he hasn't had to really in the wins. Or it's it's crunch time. It's two minutes left. You got the ball. You drive down and you score. You lose. I think this is a, a possibly a game where the, the Seahawks face that. I trust you know Smith now. <laughs> I didn't before, but I do now. 
Um, he's, he's just proved it time and time again. So, and also never count out the GOAT Tom Brady we saw last week against the Rams. But I think the Seahawks get a late score to take the lead. Geno Smith gets it done, 23-20 Seahawks in Germany. I'm thinking about the same score, but I think there's going to be a little more separation here. I, I think Seattle wins this one 26-20, and I think the outcome is going to be a little different than you described. I think Seattle is going to get a two-score lead going into the fourth quarter, and I think Tom Brady is going to do what Tom Brady does, and he's going to make this very interesting in the fourth quarter. But I just, I just don't think that the Buccaneers have enough going for them right now. They can't run the football. They're having a hard time protecting Tom Brady. The sack numbers don't show that, but he has not been able to get time in the pocket to throw the ball downfield. Now, maybe this week they'll have a game plan to get all these things corrected. It'll be a perfect storm, and then Seattle's in trouble. That's something that could obviously happen when we're talking about Tom Brady, best quarterback of all time. But I just don't feel like this offense for Tampa Bay, I don't think that one drive going down and, and beating the Rams last week is going to suddenly change the fortunes of their season. And I think the way the Seahawks are playing in all phases, I think this is a matchup where there are several uh, positions where they can take advantage of this Tampa Bay team, particularly that interior offensive line. So I'm going 26-20. I think Seattle escapes with the win. I think Tampa Bay is going to make it interesting late. But I, I just think the Seahawks are the better football team overall right now. And it's not just record watching the film. And I think they're playing with house money. They know they got a bye week coming up. They don't want to go into the bye week with a bad taste of defeat. I think they're going to find a way to get it done. So I'm going to go 26-20, a close game, but five wins in a row. The Seahawks go into the bye at 7-3. and three. We'll see what happens on Sunday in Munich. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at NickLee51. Both of us are Truly verified uh, for those that are wondering. So if we report anything, uh, just make sure you look at the handles and make sure it's accurate. Again, at Corbin Smith NFL at Nick Lee 51. Check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Our next show will be coming up on Sunday, and it's going to premiere much earlier than usual because, again, this game is going to start at 6 a.m. Pacific time. So the postcast will be coming a few hours after the final play in Munich and we'll be breaking down what transpired in this matchup between the Seahawks and Buccaneers and of course our weekly game balls three up three down and much more you won't want to miss it enjoy your weekend enjoy the game go Hawks